Hey guys, welcome to the Better Building Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Ferry, and here with me today is Nick Taliska and Mark Sankey. In today's podcast, we will be discussing why why conservation isn't a pillar in the green agenda. Um, and I think this this is going to be a really interesting discussion because as I was digging into it a little bit, it, it, maybe it sticks out as more, it, it is there in, in what we might call the green agenda. But to start the discussion, maybe what is the green agenda? I don't know if any either you two gentlemen could briefly summarize it. I mean, I was looking, you know, the Green New Deal. That's a that's a phrase that's been out there for quite some time now and did some research on it. And it's just got a whole lot of high level bullet points. Right. Is that are we, is that the green agenda that we're going to base our discussion on today or is there more to it or less to it? Well, I think the, the green agenda, if you look at the messaging, is the electrification of America via renewables, primarily wind and solar, right. offshore generation, uh, all of that. But what's the end game behind that agenda? Um, that's a, a different question. But the agenda, as published, is basically the electrification of the United States via renewables. And the theory behind that is that is going to be the green, the, the clean green future, right? Net zero is another term used it was, a lot. But it, it is not factually right. uh, supportable. I mean, the, the numbers just don't support it. So or isn't the purpose though, decarbonization though, is that the end goal, right? That, that's what I take it. That's as, the stated yeah, end yeah. goal. Yeah. Stated end goal. Which, Carbon uh, neutral. I don't know that that's the actual end goal. Oh, <laughs> you mean there's underlying? Uh... Do tell. <laughs> well, it conspiracy how far podcast. Off the ro- yeah, it could be that too. <laughs> well, this is a discussion about ideas, so I'd be interested in hearing more about that. Well, if everything's electrified and there's a, you know, the next step is we are here to help, and we'll help you conserve energy by what managing the temperature in your house uh telling you when and when when and how many refrigerators can be in your house or freezers um all of that comes from centralization of authority and control i.e the electric grid yeah yeah or or other see i i found it um as i was doing my research a little interesting like you know the whole carbon credit uh, I think there's two two terms. There's carbon credit and uh, another one that I can't think of right now. And um, you know yeah, that's renewable energy certificates. Yeah, and I mean that's process. that's that's like to me to me right. It's an imaginary item thing that is now becoming a law, right? Like California and I think a lot of maybe European countries you use those to say here business A, you're allotted this much carbon emissions right and if you go over that amount you either have to purchase a carbon credit or pay taxes higher taxes i mean there's a monetary there's a reality. penalty yeah. Sure. yeah 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 so um, cap and trade type of uh protocols yeah right but but that it, it, and carbon i could be sequestration all that good stuff is you know hugely expensive 
yeah, there's a huge and there's a market for it. I mean, it's a forced market, right? <laughs> Through legislation. It's a, it's a created market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, but I found it kind of interesting, like to go off your point, Mark, you know, where they say like, oh, you know, we're going to regulate how many fridges you have running or whatever electrical components in your house. I, I saw it not and maybe not yet to that level of granularity but just carbon like in california it appears they're doing that right they say at your household level you're you're allotted this much carbon emission and maybe it's not the houses maybe it's just businesses but you're allotted this much carbon emissions and if you go over that um you pay right yeah Yeah. yep so you're penalized in some way yeah yeah so so like going back to this whole podcast thing you know as i was thinking about it i was like okay I don't face value see conservation being a part of the green agenda because they're more focused on renewables. I could be very, very energy wasteful, but if I use solar panels and wind to waste my energy, does anybody care at that point? According to the agenda, maybe not. No. Because I'm not emitting carbon, you know, technically, right? Um, and that's where I found it interesting is like, there's not so much a push to say, well, reduce as much as reduce smartly as much as you can before switching to renewables. They're just saying everything go electric and we'll, it'll be okay. Or better yet, do both. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Do both. But and it, there, it's a two-step process to me. It, it can be a parallel process, a two-step process, whatever you want to call yeah. it, but it only makes renewables are expensive renewable energy is expensive so it makes no sense to assume that oh i can waste it because it's not cheaper it may be lower in carbon but monetarily it is not cheaper yeah well and that's the thing with even the word conservation it does seem to be not used very much in a a lot of these discussions and you know, I think we're all taught, you know, uh, being in energy management that, you know, you, you first look to reduce your loads, right? You want to eliminate your waste. And then you want to make those energy sources as efficient as possible. And then I think the third would be, you know, like lowering the unit cost of that energy. And sometimes two and three kind of get, you know, switched around. But uh, it does seem to be prudent and pragmatic to look for those ways to okay let's lower our baseline energy use and i guess that's part of what i miss i i seem to remember i don't know maybe it was like in the 80s and 90s and growing up that like there seemed to be a lot of push on individual you know conservation don't waste use what you need you know from food to product to recycling all that kind of stuff and there just doesn't seem to be with this massive you know, public outreach, you know, world campaign that's going on. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it just seems that conservation is noticeably lacking from the conversation. It's more put solar panels on your house than... So let's go back to the agenda real quick, just so that I can understand where we're at. So in today's podcast, we'll be discussing why conservation isn't a pillar of the green agenda. The short answer and I think we agree, is it's not about saving money and resources, right? Oh, I don't know. What do you mean? I don't know. I'm reading from the agenda. Well, so, uh, the uh, next, I, don't, the I would consider the, the only resource that is focused on in in 
general is carbon emissions, right? CO2, which is not, that's not a resource. Well, I don't know. Yeah. So the next bullet is on a serious note, why is it not? And I put a lot of thought into this. So I'm going to give you a long answer. Okay. First, there's no, you can't legislate it. There's no easy, quick stroke of the pen to legislate it, enforce it, enforce compliance during renovations or construction. Therefore, it doesn't happen. That's first. Mm -hmm. Second, inefficiency is um, reclusive and sneaky. It hides in plain sight. But unless you're trained, have a skill set, sharp eye, know where to look, it's elusive. I, the simple stuff, yeah, uh, motors, drives, supplier reset, chiller replacements, they fit in a checkbox on the utility rebate forms. Right. So anyone can do it. And we know that anyone can do it. But drive by an industrial complex, right? Every steam plume, every cooling tower, every thermal plume that refractively distorts the scenery, that's all waste and opportunity. How do you capture it? Well, that's not for amateurs or utility rebates. That takes professionals, professional conservation hunters. And there just isn't an abundance of them right now. It's not in vogue. Mm -hmm. Third, like I said, it's not in vogue. It's not glamorous. It's not politically correct, even though conservation is way more green than any, you know, obscene lithium or cobalt mine could ever hope to be. Right. It doesn't get press. It doesn't get accolades. It really, it doesn't even get attaboys most of the time. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Fourth, it isn't taught. Nick, this goes to your point. Not in grade school, not in high school, not in STEM, and not even in engineering courses. It comes from experience, and it's found in niche curricula provided by pockets of experts. And honestly, I, I'm i finding that even the experts are bowing to the new green gods and reciting the scriptures of solar and wind as gospel, and that just chaps me to no end. New engineers graduate with without any or at the very best minimal knowledge of conservation best practices and don't think in broader terms about first get in shape be smart and prudent recover reuse minimize consumption before we start to go green and those are my four reasons why it doesn't happen okay let me let me review because I, I captured three one was like no enforcement or no enforcement it's not easy it takes work you know it, you have to work for it yep it's not in vogue it doesn't get headlines news mm -hmm. write-ups unless it's in the the small focused uh, publications that we all subscribe to but it's not in the newspaper oh you know this school district reduced their energy consumption by this much and therefore there's no tax increase for the next five years or whatever it is and fourth it isn't taught those are excellent. So that is, those are the reasons why what the green agenda will not be successful or why conservation is not. Why conservation yes. is not one of the pillars. It's not, it's not one of the pillars of the green agenda because yeah. they first, the first and foremost, it can't be legislated. You know, the, the major companies for years, like Nick, as you said, during the 80s, 90s, 2000s, they had business objectives not to reduce their carbon footprint, but to reduce their energy consumption, period. 
reduce your energy consumption, which is, okay, we think of those two words as interchangeable, but now with the advent and large-scale adoption of renewables, you don't have to conserve. You can just put on... We can yeah, no, no one's going to ask... Yeah, nobody's no going to ask why. Oh, we yep. need you know five million bucks to do a, a, a brownfield solar uh, array. Mm-hmm. Great, but does that really help your efficiency? Not really. Now, in the eighties, you know, when you're talking about uh, energy conservation, was that driven monetarily or environmentally? We're both much more monetarily. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, yep. There was always the calculus calculate the co2 offset along with the energy offset yeah but it was uh in the early early discussions yeah i i would add though i mean i agree with mark it was in the business realm there but from from my perspective i asked it seemed like it was also pushed down to the individual and, and that speaks to mark what you're talking about with your items number three and four i mean it's just you know not cool like energy management jobs out there probably seem very boring compared to do you want to work in renewables and help for a sustainable future right you know a very noble cause and i see the allure of it obviously and you know to some degree we're all in on that as far as yeah yeah you can't argue some of that right all my stuff is here and everybody i love so of course i want to you know keep it (laughs) yeah yeah good but uh yeah so that's i guess that was my kind of point to my statement it seemed like there was much more expectation of the individual to do their part in a way and i and i do think there's good you know merit to that and maybe it's that's my problem with a lot of things we see is you know we we put it off to other people let i mean let let the government take care of the poor right just one example right 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 boy that hurts go back to society go back to the original energy crisis when jimmy carter was president you know and opec had us in a stranglehold the recommended government night temperature during the heating season was 55 degrees holy cow can you and day was 68 so imagine nowadays if you told somebody you have to set your house or you should we recommend you set your house back to 55 degrees at night well, what they do, if you're connected to a, a smart thermostat uh, and your utility sets you back three degrees, people are freaking out. Right. Hmm. But but it's to Nick's point, everybody was engaged. Everyone was engaged. You know, we had uh, even odd days for uh, fueling your car. It was a it was a big deal and a national effort, but it was not about the CO2. It was about, you know, economic money um, yeah it was all about it. yeah the money drives it yeah 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 and i'm not saying back then people didn't care about the environment either but i assume energy prices were extremely high and that drove a lot of the concern for conservation right right well, like mark said in the late 70s that definitely came to the forefront and then it yeah. also on that added uh element of these are you know whatever foreign entities that are controlling the way we live so we've got to do our part and to make sure that you guys don't get hit in the pocketbook too much but i seem to remember a lot of more environmental and maybe it's i'm conflating it with like the anti-littering campaign that seemed to be big when mm-hmm. i was growing up mm-hmm. and that seemed definitely about personal responsibility sure uh, right 
which I always think is a good thing. But so that that's kind of my concern with the conservation. I look at it as that comes down to individual people too, and the way they well, whatever buy stuff, consume stuff, use stuff, reuse stuff, uh, fix stuff. Uh, I mean, but so much of that has changed. You know, we 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 buy things and I I see where you're going with this. Throw yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Conservation in totality, you're not just talking about energy, energy as in like, I'm going to conserve how much electricity I use or how much natural gas I burn. You're talking about everything. Conservation. Yeah. Full resource conservation. Yeah. Which I think go hand in hand. I mean, we, yeah, everything you have, you're sitting on, it's around you, it's above you, it's in you right now. It takes energy to make transform it to you so it's they're completely connected in my mind but mm-hmm. and that's where i do think you know and i have been critical of climate awareness i mean i, I you know i'll call it climate extremism extremism at you know for some it's just the arguments lost on me you know when people tell me that if i don't understand how everything's going to die in 10 years or 15 or 20 years that I'm just too stupid to even continue a discussion about. I mean, you lose me, but it's, I think you lose everybody, not everybody, most people. Yeah. But my, my take on all that, Nick, is that uh, the arguments that are put forth, and I, I see it every single day on the news, uh, are not factually accurate. They're just plain not fact-based. It, they're 100% emotional and, okay, compelling emotional arguments. But when you just scratch the surface, and I'm not saying take a deep dive. I'm saying scratch the surface. They are not factually accurate. Case for review, all right? New York State is talking about eliminating natural gas stoves and residential heat systems. What a gas, right? <clears throat> New York total power generation right now. The total power generation capacity in New York, 40.1% is by natural gas-fueled turbines, either single or combined cycle. Anybody want to hazard a guess about combined cycle maximum efficiency? 45%. 37. 60. What? Design conditions, 60. Design. But there are still single cycle generation plants running out there that are less than 30. So I'm giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. And let's just say we have our utility generation by natural gas is 60% efficient. All right. Mm -hmm. Natural gas stove tops and ovens. What's their efficiency? Well, you're going to say 90, 99, 90 plus. Let's just call it 90 plus, right? Yeah. It's its job. Old school, non-condensing natural gas furnace efficiency. 80. Okay. Condensing furnace. 95 plus, 92, yeah. So what this plan is going to do to reduce CO2, that's that's a published and stated objective, right? To reduce CO2 emissions is remove all of the higher efficiency equipment, run it on electricity at lower, run it on electricity, which is generated at lower efficiency and will increase the amount of CO2 emitted. That's assuming that all of these uh, natural gas furnaces aren't replaced with heat with geothermal because people just don't have the real estate for it, nor the capital to do that. So the stated objective 
is, and it was just on the news on Tuesday, that this will reduce the CO2 emissions in New York State is blatantly false. See, and I get hung up. That's a great, great, great argument because I use that argument in the opposite direction when it comes to elect- electric vehicles and, and internal combustion engines. Because, you know, well, I would say your your combined cycle uh, natural gas plant is more efficient than you know a gas engine so that's where you get some benefits okay but yeah. but on the other hand like you said with the furnaces and the, the um, stoves you don't because uh furnace is 80 80 plus percent efficient yeah, on a good day is. it's 85 yeah yeah, yeah. 80, yeah um and you know that's just that's where i get to like kind of the smoke and mirrors thing too a little bit is like how much of residential heating is is carbon emissions compared to whatever else? I mean, if you look at industrial, industrial. Commercial, you know, we're really focusing on that. Like that's, that's what we're, that's going to save the world. I mean, <laughs> I, th- that's where I get hung up too. Is like, that's the thing that we're going to, we're going to do to fix it. Whatever so the, it is. The obvious question to me is, I mean, these people, you know, everybody's not an idiot. So yeah. like Mark, if you can dissect this problem in 30 seconds, you know what is the other the reasonable explanation is that everybody is not that everybody else that put this uh legislation or policy together is a moron but or that there's an, a hidden agenda that they're not publishing and that and this is their reason for doing it well and and um i don't know what the best way to say this is <laughs> so it generally probably means i shouldn't say anything but it, you know for sake of the podcast i think a lot of the constituents general population are not educated to where and how energy is created right i mean that's that's right so they look at it like okay yeah maybe we should switch to electric um electric heating and cooling and electric stoves because you know nothing no flue gas is coming out of my chimney right you so the general population won't go to the eia and look up how what's the composite uh nature of electric generation you have to drive out of your way in new york to go find a true centralized power plant okay you're not going to see it on the new york state thruway you're not going to see it on you know route 37 because they don't want you to see it no i'm just saying but as you drive on those highways you will see uh wind solar turbines panels. and solar yeah. panels yeah, right yeah. yeah so people immediately say well there's way more wind and solar than there is power plants of course right right but you know you don't centralize those into 300 megawatt uh facilities either they're mm-hmm. all over the place distributed mm-hmm. generation which i advocate for it's better for the grid it's better for yeah. everything but let's not delude ourselves into thinking that that's the primary generation in in you know on our grid it's not well i think the observation the 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 thought is currently it is and the right the push is to convert all of it which is a a whole nother discussion right (laughs) so if it's not for the stated reasons though mark like what is the reason then if you feel comfortable sharing that well it's just what i said it's a centralized uh you know the authority have everything electric then we can help you manage it 
kind of crazy what, to think about. Yeah. Yeah. But what about the poor? What's, what's next after we, you know, uh, get rid of our natural gas or fossil fuel, uh, heating and cooking. What about all the folks? And there are plenty that use wood or use other biomass, certainly not in the urban areas. I mean, outdoor wood boilers, sure. You know, they create smoke, they do all that stuff. But when you look at their efficiency compared to an electric power plant, you know, a, a a typical and believe it or not, New York State still has coal and oil fired plants. Um, I think that you can't make a compelling argument that all oh, these have to go away, nor can in many instances you force that economic decision uh, without causing undue hardship to yeah. the homeowners. The irony of the wood, well, of all of it, too. I mean, like wood burning stove, for example. I mean, that tree is going to turn into carbon that's emissions the, no matter what. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> it don't matter if you burn it or not. Or it's it going to be carbon down emissions. Dies a natural death. Yes, it will. Yep. Lots away over ten years. Well, yep. It's the same thing. Carbon emissions. So yep. yeah, I think people don't think about that as well. But, but I'm really on a New York State roll. I know, poor New York State, man. Uh, I'm sorry, but I, <laughs> didn't they just uh, legalize composting human remains? I have no idea. I think that it was either Massachusetts or New York. I can't remember. Coming to a state near you soon. Yeah. So, Mark, the last statement, though, like about, you know, enforcing and, you know, with everybody on the electric grid, so to speak, and controlling thermostats, that's connected to your first statement about, about why conservation is not a pillar because it's not enforceable to that level. It's not. Okay, so not, you can't legislate it. You can't. You can't go into a and and I focus a lot on industrial and very large commercial. You can't go into or first of all, you could, but it takes time and effort to go in and say, "Give me the unit energy input into every one of your manufacturing yeah. processes." Right now, most uh, modern manufacturing processes know that. But there is no benchmark per se, unless it's a primary industry like steel or glass or, you know, something like that. But if you're, for instance, a medical appliance manufacturer, okay, what's the the energy input into, you know, one knee joint, for instance, one artificial knee joint? They probably know that, but how many of those facilities are there? And can you make a, a large scale comparison? Mm -hmm. No, the cost to do that, to put in those benchmarks and then go in and enforce or regulate is enormous so instead it's easier to legislate with a broad brush 80 20 rule this will affect 80 percent of the people that you know we serve ostensibly as a legislator and it will provide the intended outcome whether it's the stated or the unstated outcome so i have a a, a question kind of peeling off of that like you're talking about energy consumption like um natural gas and electricity whatever millions of btus kilowatt hours stuff like that as baselines um kind of right yeah sure yeah so like going back to the whole carbon uh footprint thing i mean it, that's it kind of along the same lines right like how do you say you made this many tons of co2 emissions 
as your baseline to then improve and monitor, right? I mean, you need to know energy in to figure out carbon out in a way. Sure. So that, I agree with that. Yeah. So that's that's also kind of where I was getting hung up on the whole carbon. Again, the green the green discussion is very much based on CO2 emissions. So how do you baseline what your CO2 emissions are to then legislate to do less? I was confused on as well. You mean in a manufacturing facility or a- yeah, or a house or anything? I mean, a house is a little bit easier, right? But oh, yeah, a manufacturing facility, for example. No, it's easy. It's the same way that they legislate now. Insulation, it, the bulk of code, your maximum CO2 emissions per square foot of livable space will be this. And based on manufacturing facility, they 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 have a metric for that to then no, say. No, 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 no. You asked about residential facilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both. I mean. No, manufacturing right. facilities self-regulate for economic reasons, right? Yes, I agree. They, they self-regulate. I mean, They're not going to waste energy they, because it costs them money. Right. Oh, and yeah. they also have CO2 uh, reduction requirements that are legislated, but they can reach those in a variety of ways, either directly at their manufacturing facilities or by selling products which have a downstream effect, maybe integrated into third party or or supplier manufactured processes and improve the end use cons- uh, reduction oh so it goes that far technically yeah yeah that's interesting yep. Well, yep. and esg will hit them too you know if you're yes. in the manufacturing yep. sector yep so <laughs> to bring it back to the to the podcast discussion then um i mean we're, we're the the standpoint is conservation is not a pillar for for all the reasons that we just covered right um and it's generally conservation is driven by economics not legislation correct i i think well i I think that's almost always it i'm doing an energy audit at the end of the week or the end of the month for right now we're seeing electric price increases electric utility cost increases go up across the state of Pennsylvania, which is, I mean, the phone rings more when energy costs go up. Certainly. That's all there to it. Yeah. So, um, you know, hey, our utility bill went up a million dollars, you know, projected at the rate increase we have, it'll be a million dollars higher this year. We need to do something. Yeah. Okay. It's about time those fluorescent lights go away anyway. Mm-hmm. But I mean, mm-hmm. that that's, for a long time, we enjoyed lower rates. Okay, so now we have fossil fuel price increases. We have you know cost supply chain increases, all those things, and they feed right into the utility cost. So the phone rings more when costs go up. Now, sure, does it impact CO2? Yes, but when the unit price of energy goes up, that doesn't change uh, what your conservation is per unit per kWh. It, or cha- what your CO two avoidance is per kWh, it changes mm-hmm. what your dollar is per kWh mm-hmm. when you reduce. You know, when mm-hmm. your dollar gets uh, what's driving it, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing I think with the difference between like facility driven improvements, you know, energy conservation. Although there can be a lot of uncertainty there, I think it's far more knowable than a lot of these, you know, macro solutions we're hearing about. You know, a couple. I don't know, weeks, a month ago, I was talking to somebody 
you know, in our industry, energy conservation, all that, uh, particularly adept at measurement and verification, we we differ probably wildly. You know, you know, now his mission in energy management is to, you know, save the planet, be you know, provide for his grandchildren to have a place to have a quality of life, and all that. Uh, but where we did agree on was talking about you know they bandy about these numbers. Right. And, and we can get, you know, a uh, margin of error on political polls, it seems, but they never really talk about, you know, here's our goal. We're going to save X amount of metric tons of CO2 over the next decade. But how would that, you know, public perception change if it was plus or minus 50%? Right. <laughs> and here's what it's going to cost. And then on the other side of it, you know, is, and I've been on this for a long time, like, how, how do we know any of this stuff works? And I'm not just talking about, energy policy but you know i would like to see some form of performance verification in every government agency for any program you know we we hear about this is what it's going to do over this time frame but it doesn't seem like anybody really goes and revisits it and said did it work you know what to what degree did it work what degree did it not work to what 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 do you mean though like like a solar solar and and uh wind you mean like oh no i mean I, or take mark's example from new york state right we want to get rid of natural gas rain. oh yeah 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 yeah. and we think this is going to save x amount uh you know our certainty with that projection is whatever mm-hmm. and then then looking at it on the backside, like how do we know that any of the programs that have been implemented do they work you know and that's a problem i think when we're talking about literally the world and our you know our 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 galaxy you know i mean everything so how you know how how does this measure out in the end but that's just kind of my focus on it too when i look at numbers and projections and forecasts well i'll be i'll be a little bit contrarian to it but um i mean we we see other countries right do stuff like like what we're talking about and i assume to some degree of success right I don't know. I mean, I, I get that's my question. New Zealand. I don't know. I mean, a lot of European countries. Well, New Zealand use heat is pumps. A, I mean, uh, wait, wait. New Zealand has, a, you know, they have geothermal because they have a volcano there. Right, right, so right. Geothermal right. on a whole different scale. Different, than different geothermal than you would but, say. Put a uh, heat pump in my house and dig a hole. Further but, though, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, New Zealand is a great case in point. Because mm-hmm. I've been there mm-hmm. firsthand, and I will tell you that those folks adhere as a both individuals and as a nation to my grandfather's stated philosophy of use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. Bingo. Those people, their drinking water comes from captured, stored, filtered rainwater. If you're a guest there, they tell you keep your shower short because they know Americans are used to getting in the shower, not just singing, you know, one tune, but the whole uh, overture from Phantom of the Opera. So they know that we don't have the same mindset. When they plan a meal, they open the refrigerator one time, take everything out, close the door, get everything prepped one time, put everything back because utility costs are expensive. They're an Island uh, nation. They don't have all the resources to support themselves, so everything's an import and costs more. So their self their their self imposed efficiency 
comes all the way from the government down to the indiv individuals and they're raised to conserve and be efficient. And, and the big takeaway from that whole thing is money for me. <laughs> I don't think it is because it's not just that. If you take a drive down their roads, hike their trails, fish their streams, I would challenge you to spend a day and see if you can find one piece of litter up to and including a bottle cap or a, a pop can opener. Yeah, yeah. Like culturally, they're, they're I guess, you, you, I can't it's disagree It's not just with efficiency. You. Yeah. They're fastidious about their environment. It's not just conservation. Right. I mean, it's everything. Mm -hmm. And I give them my hats off because honestly, I, I, up until October, I was looking at buying property there. I can't because I'm not a citizen, because I'm not a full-time, I don't want, want to be a full-time employee. So they make it extremely difficult for guys like me to say, this is utopia to go and buy property there. So to go to my original point though, to, well, to, to Nick's, what do they, I get it. You're going to say it's different because they do geothermal volcanically, which is a completely different available resource than what we would have here as like a case point. Right. But there has, I mean, there's, there are instances where I assume you could look and say, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe, uh, Geothermal does work all right. Maybe we, we could implement it into more houses. Or, and that's just an example. But do you get what I'm saying? Could you put geothermal at your house? Could I? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm digging a well. But yeah. <laughs> it would cost a lot too. Yeah. It would cost a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Would your yep. neighbors say, oh, Clayton just did it. I better do it too. I mean, are you going to be the change agent for your whole neighborhood? I, I don't knows? think so. No, <laughs> it's not just, the, it's not just the geothermal though. It is. No, and that's just an example, you know, completely agree. So yeah, from cradle to grave, mm -hmm. it's the mindset mm -hmm. of the entire country. Yes. And I think that's the essence of maybe the topic of what we're talking about. I think the yeah, yeah, yeah. stories were great, but they're not New Zealand values exclusively. These were once American values too. And I'll, I'll say these are ancient values, right? If you want to go back to even, you know, cardinal virtues, which predate, you know, this, this is not about the, the Roman church or anything. They pre, these are ancient values of temperance, right? Of resources like Mark, like your grandfather used to say, you know, I agree. beautiful values that are going back to Mark's point number four, uh yeah not taught right they're not valued in a lot of our culture now and that's abundance just, of resources that's what's that's what's causing it it could be and and i think that you know it things will be a lot better quicker and for all interested parties if didn't have this mindset like mark i totally agree with you like distributed assets and all that right very important but then we seem to want to centralize our responsibility and off put it to somebody else, you know, to take care of it. You know, we buy somebody's products because it comes in a recycled box or something, or people are buying recycled shoes. And I'm, some of these shoes I'm looking at going, yeah, they, they look recycled. <laughs> well, <laughs> can't believe you wear those. Uh, yeah, maybe. 
That may be true. I'm sorry. Maybe you have a pair of Mark. I didn't mean to offend anybody. Uh, I don't know. But that's kind of my kick. I, I would like to see more. There's a lot of money being spent on you know public relations with this topic. And I think conservation should play more of a role in it from the individual down to the businesses and companies using energy. I agree. But it's not sexy. It gets no press, no press, no positive. I shouldn't say that. I mean, that's a grand generalization, but I mean, unless you're most of the press that it gets is preaching to the choir, right? And most you, of it comes from the company yeah. installing it or benefiting yeah. from work and they're just energy users news or whatever it is. Exactly. That, yeah. Yeah. I agree. So that's interesting about the schools though. Uh, that's definitely food for thought. Well, it is, and I don't, I don't know how that gets remedied. Wait, wait, wait! Get, well, catch me back up. What do you mean the schools? Like just education and conservation? As far as being taught about resources, I mean, there should be a class with that title, Mark, from your grandfather. Mm -hmm. It seems, <laughs> you know, my experience, it's, you know, a lot of school districts are even trying to re-implement, uh, like financial literacy classes mm -hmm. make them a requirement right and, and mm -hmm. i think it's a great thing and we're seeing it locally and everybody's welcoming it and there's you know waiting lists to get into that elective at this point but it should be a requirement you know right so maybe something similar to that i mean heck. so uh, just let's let's talk about an example and i saw one in new zealand and i'd heard about it in the united states but never saw one so what's the biggest uh consumer of hot water from your hot water heater in your house that's one or two things shower well it depends it's either the shower or the dishwasher or the washing machine right sure yeah okay so in new zealand they install heat recovery coils on the drain lines to their hot water consuming equipment that preheats the water coming into their hot water heater why couldn't we do that in the United States? Because cost too much. Yeah, I've heard of that uh -huh. before and looked at it a couple of times. Yeah, but sometimes if you're not, for, I guess it really depends on how they're initially set up and built. Cost too much. Gas is so Agreed. cheap. Why, why would Gas I put that so on? Cheap. Why would I well, do that? Get an electric hot water heater. Then it'll make economic Everything sense. Everything will be gone. Yeah, then I'm not doing any emissions, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> what's driving it, though. It's all It's all about the money. Because I assume whatever utility they use to generate hot water costs a heck of a lot more than ours. Well, and that's why maybe this whole thing is difficult. It's clearly yeah, not, yeah, yeah. You know, efficient. even though even the furnace thing, right? I mean, if I have an eighty percent efficient furnace and it's working, mm -hmm. why would I? And I'm not asking this because, like, I understand I, I am environmentally conscious. I'm just saying, like, here's an example for somebody, right? what's driving you to upgrade to a 97 percent efficient furnace because your payback the only time it happens is the end of life of the yeah yeah, yeah. that's it yeah yeah so like i don't know or I mean, going to a geothermal heat pump i mean you yeah you have to be you have you have to be driven to be environmentally conscious because like a monetary driver is not always there based on our utility costs right 
That's right. Oh, clearly some people make decisions just based on the environmental yeah, yeah, yeah. impact. Okay. Yeah. But, but when you, when you go to like a, a industrial level, I mean, like it's just way much more challenging because you need to, A, your energy density is a lot higher and the economics of the business, you can't just say, oh yeah, we're going to switch all everything over to more efficient, whatever. Well, there are processes you, you simply can't do with electricity. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with that too. It, yep. You know, Nick, remember when we were at Timken Bearing, you know, the carburizing process, they heat steel in a low oxygen environment and it deposits and embeds carbon into the surface of the steel. Well, you can't do that with electricity. Uh, glass melting, you know, heating cold cullet, you can't flow electricity through glass until it's molten. So all of the preheating is done and sometimes the overfire is done with gas. There's just so many industrial processes that are energy intensive that you can't get there with electricity uh, economically. Are we seeing a big push for industry to go electric like that? No, and that was part of the compelling argument from uh, New York State was that 32% of the CO2 emissions in the state come from residential natural gas utility uh, appliances. Well, 32%. 32%. Man, that's way higher than I could have. That's a huge number. Yeah. So that's okay. So if 32% come from my 80 to 90% efficient stuff, now I'll push that back to my 40% efficient natural <laughs> gas combined cycle t- or, or my 50%, 60% combined cycle. Um, turbines and my co2 emissions will go up okay but what about that's not the end of the story so you get switched over to electric and then they make the electric grid much more efficient i mean could that be part of the thinking going well yeah definitely i mean because they're going to say they're going to put in 50 100 year program yeah 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 that has to be a 100 year program but most consumers don't base their life cycle cost of new equipment on the government's 150 year plan they may have new new utility new uh, appliances that they don't want to change mm-hmm. that's where it gets challenging though right because one could say nothing will ever change then unless there's a push from the government uh, okay so <laughs> maybe that's where we are oh boy right well yeah if, if people won't do it on their own volition and like you said replaced her whatever non-condensing yeah water heater with that they won't do it on their own for their own selfish reasons well then yeah yeah so We've i don't know i mean i'm not I don't, I don't know where i stand on the whole thing i have a whole lot of questions and it'll be it, i don't know look, look at but, the, look look what's happened with lighting all right we've gone from incandescent to you know, Edison-based incandescent yeah. to Edison-based screw-in CFLs, which we found out were horrible for the environment. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? It wasn't by economics. It was by legislation. You can't buy an Edison-based incandescent unless it's a, you know, a ornamental light. So, and now it's the next step is to go to LED. And, it, and it'll be, if it's not legislated, it will be. Yeah to be more environmentally conscious. Right. What is it? I don't know. I don't know the 
constituents of the LEDs. I, I just don't or yeah, the, yeah, yeah, or right, the manufacturing right. process. Yeah, yep. I, I agree with that too. I mean, that's where again I this conversation gets challenging for me is where do you start the efficiency, quote unquote, because how much more manufacturing um energy does it cost to make an LED versus a fluorescent and their life cycle and you know, does it pay itself off? Okay, over so its life where cycle, are we but... at in our where are we at in our uh <laughs> outline here. completely five, in the no. weeds completely in the weeds yeah you said you were going to keep it on track yeah i know well, this this but this is an interesting conversation for me that like you guys brought up some great points that i couldn't i could not have thought of in in generating an outline so that's why i'm just kind of letting it ride um and i i hope our listeners enjoy this type of conversation because i, I think it's very thought-provoking um and i'm not getting it i mean what is the answer to the question of the podcast initially? I don't think we'll leave with one, right? It's just a whole lot of questions and thought-provoking discussion. Well, ask question number five. Let's get on with this. Is conservation tapped out? Can we can we conserve more? Are we already implementing, you know, a lot of smart um smart procedures to save energy? Like if you look at pumping and and uh, boiler efficiency and chiller efficiency and just the way we we control facilities and i'm i'm asking it at, at like an industrial or commercial level not necessarily residential but even residential i mean how much more can we squeeze out of what we're doing currently i would bet there's a ton i mean there's I, a lot That's yeah right. yeah yeah and i agree this was that yes so, uh, let's look let's look at the uh, evolution of those strategies, chilled mm -hmm. water and hot water reset controls in the eighties and nineties, even eighties predominantly, those were innovative, right? Mm -hmm. VFDs on pumps, same thing. Cost on VFDs started going down. Parallel pumping, pretty radical nowadays, you know, mm -hmm. economizers, they've been around for a long time. So yeah, I think it's safe to assume that most facilities have implemented those kinds of strategies mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but other things i mean i still know where there are literally hundreds of non-condensing industrial not industrial but probably large commercial natural gas boilers that don't have o2 trim on them mm -hmm. have no combustion air preheater have mm -hmm. no stack economizer so all of those things they aren't on the utility rebate checklist but people that have experience and have you know the wherewithal to say oh look at there's an opportunity i think what has been uh captured as far as con conservation it may not be the tip of the iceberg but i bet it's barely half yeah you're saying if you had somebody that knew what they were doing go through every facility across the united states you could squeeze out a lot more a lot energy more. conservation yes, yes and i and i agree with that and that kind of goes back to your original point about it's not taught it's not sexy it's not whatever um so there's there's definitely a lot you can so when we say our, our annual energy consumption for the united states is whatever you know trillion kilowatt hours or quadrillions quadrillions yeah, yeah you could cut that down a lot if somebody if, if you went through every facility and consciously made the, that effort so that you can you can reset your whole baseline of what you're saying our, our annual energy consumption is and our our carbon emissions just by going through 
and being conservative. Well, and that's the thing. It's all before very- you even jump in and put solar panels and all that stuff in. Sorry, Nick. Oh, yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. But it is kind of fluid, you know, because I mean, we think of old buildings and we all know very old buildings and going back to your boilers. I mean, there's steam mm-hmm. plants out there and steam distribution centers that are literally uh, leaking every day, right? But, yeah. it, but you know, you can't build a new building. I don't think anybody would put up a new building and not have chilled water reset, you know? On yeah. Chill- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or VFDs yeah. on, mm-hmm. they're putting them on, you know, tiny little fans now. And Mark, I'm with you, man. VFDs used to be, like outrageously expensive. And it was amazing how quickly that curve dropped. Yes. And it made it more accessible to, you know, a lot of different applications, which is great. So there's always new things coming on too. But I mean, I think there's a lot of people obviously still in the conservation business and applied technology towards, you know, built environments. Uh, But again, there's, there's competition now too, because you can only do so much. Are they going to put on the, you know, solar array or are they going to say, well, let's address, you know, maybe we can reduce your electrical load completely. But the solar okay. array is what gets the publicity. Well, and it, you know, could get, and the rebate <laughs> yeah. changes the economics completely, which kind of perverts things. Yeah. Uh, but again, I'm not, none of us are anti yeah. Incentives, legislation. We live with legislation that we don't fully understand every minute of our day. Yeah. But I think it's important. There are, you know, I think it's easy for both sides, if you will, to get, I don't know, antagonistic towards the other. Yeah. Really need to realize there are there are smart people working, you know, on all sides of this and doing Mm -hmm. great things out there. And everything we hear, if our first reaction is that's idiotic. It may end up being idiotic, and I've seen some things that I'll stand beside and say those are that's stupid. But mm-hmm. you know, we you definitely need to give a, a deeper look into some things. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of good work going on out there, no doubt, but a lot of stupid things too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like to summarize this whole so whole podcast episode really is is the the conservation is just culturally maybe lacking a little bit from from mm. what we see and. And there's there's a lot of opportunity to reduce carbon emissions and um i mean energy consumption in totality by focusing a lot on conservation and to mark's point you don't see that as much in in higher education and you're even you're just you know american home growing up maybe so much um which we're i mean i guess we're all a little bit at fault for right to some extent <laughs> try oh, really? yeah 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 I don't know. I still chase the grandkids around, turn the lights off. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Why? Because unless you have 50 cents, turn the lights off. You know? See, but that, oh. and that, <laughs> that's, and that goes back to my point though, is it's cheap. So some people are like, yeah, it's cheap. They don't think well, about oh, what's the ramification of turning the light on is somewhere there's a natural gas fired plant burning natural gas to make that light. They don't care the about lights. that. They right. think, ah, it's only, it's only 13 cents a kilowatt hour. I can leave my light on all day. Who cares? But that's maybe how it's changed. Like even in my lifetime, because I remember my grandparents saying the same thing and electricity was expensive Yeah, in relation to, you know, what they had. Other yeah. household <laughs> expenses and everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're right, Mark, though. It is essentially because my kids, after a while, they finally said, how much does it cost when I leave my light on? Yeah. And I showed them. I'm like, right. It's practically nothing, but here is the point. You yeah, know, yeah. Use what you need. 
That's, that's the difference, right? Right. Practice, right? Yeah. Ben Franklin said, uh, a tiny nose. hole. Yep. Please, Mark, repeat that. Uh, ben Franklin, a tiny hole will sink a mighty ship. Mm. That's why we have, I, I just, I got revved up over your government accountability. How do we know these things work? Isn't that what the GA, GAO is supposed to do? Uh, Say, number one, yes. where'd the money go? Was it effectively spent? We have an oversight office. Well, I know, but if you have any experience with that, that's not really what they do. Well, you asked who did it, so that's what I'm. I was responding to that. Yeah. Who does that? We need something that's actually effective, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so um, we're getting kind of to our, I think, our time limit for for the podcast. But you know, bringing this back to like the building hot rodders concept, um, and. and you know, being a certified energy manager and everything, you know, one of my questions on this outline is what is the point of being a CEM if nobody cares about, uh, oh, you saved this this much dollars, right? I mean, that's kind of where the CEM falls is you're, you're saving money for a facility rather than saying, oh, I put in, put solar panels on, you, you'll be fine. Um, you know, I don't know. What, what are you guys' thoughts on just the whole concept of certified energy manager? And is that still... I have to give you another analogy first, okay. just before before we wrap this up. So yeah. I have an acquaintance who uh, had successful gastric bypass surgery. Okay, and he regaled me with the whole process. Before, well, regaled me. Yeah, you know, and telling me about it in an animated manner. Mm -hmm. well, you would be regaled by that. Yeah. yeah. Well. And in the process, before he was allowed to get the gastric bypass surgery, he needed to lose 50 pounds before. The reason for that was they would not deem him to be a worthy uh, uh, patient because he didn't have the discipline required. Yeah. If they did the surgery, it would basically be ineffective. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at conservation. You have to do the simple stuff first. If you want to lose weight, eat less if, or exercise more or both better yet, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If you want to be green, the first step is take care of your own house and let's use the least amount of BTUs or KWH or all of the above as possible. And then let's spend the money to go to a more efficient source. But you'll do two things. Number one, you'll get your house in order. But number two, you'll right-size your investment in the green energy side versus why build an oversized green energy plant when you don't really need it? That just, that, that's the worst of all cases, I think. So, yes, yes, I agree. I don't know. That's yeah. my, that's my, I don't know if it's a good analogy. You can cut it out. Well, no, but I'll, I'll add to Very that though. But like, like you're saying, I shut the lights off when you don't need them, right? Um, all that stuff, lower your thermostat if you doesn't, doesn't, you don't need your house to be 72 we can all agree on that. But the second the government does that, people are up in arms, right? Yes. So, because it's whose money are they spending? Yours. Ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I want to choose where my investment goes. And that, but that, yeah, yeah, I agree. And I don't know, again, it's just, I'm, I'm like confused on the whole situation internally because I agree with it. But also, then I get mad if, if big brother turned my thermostat down and be like, hell no, I, I want it to stay 72 as long I, I can do whatever I want. So there's, it's just like always like a little bit of push and pull. 
but I think ultimately everyone can agree on the same, the concept of it. Right. Right. I agree though. And it was part of my opening four reasons is that even green solutions now, whether it be the AEE or anyone else are fully, uh, they have fully consumed the green agenda to the point where, uh, and I don't disagree with the need or the virtues or the benefits of solar, wind power, whatever it is. I agree with that, but it's become the mainstay. And I, I do have issue with that because it doesn't take as much work to be a renewable professional as it does to understand the granular level of consumption and how do we fine tune all of the processes within a building right before we start to okay let's you know build a um, whatever renewable plant i mean that was literally one of the first things i learned in my cem training course uh, many years ago is you need to get skinny first right. that's it then do then do whatever you want put put a solar field in great or yeah. you know solar panels on your house but but you're not doing as much as you could be if you're not changing or looking at your consumption before you put in the renewables because there's a lot of energy intensive processes that go into making those solar panels and those wind turbines and all that stuff and it, to, to me it doesn't make sense if you want to put that in great but if you can put those in and also need less of them that's where you're doing the best benefit and maybe that happens more than I think. I don't know. Jeez, guys, those last two statements were great for me both. Really? Okay, let's have yours. No, that's <laughs> I could not even possibly improve. I was writing as fast as I can. It's inspirational <laughs> and it's true and it's some hard truths, but okay, I got one more one more parting question, and, and we don't need to answer all of it. Um maybe this is for the listeners just to ponder on it and comment on. You know, if you see us post this on LinkedIn or Facebook or Spotify, give us a shoot us an email comment. But uh, my last question is, is net zero a possibility? I mean, that's the whole movement, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, OK, yeah. I don't think it's a possibility without a realization by every every occupant of the planet that there need to be wholesale changes made right. in lifestyles, just exactly what Nick was talking about, you know, recycling, reusing, uh, a consumer based society has no chance of becoming net zero. But that's the whole thought that that's the push. You can't have a, a new iPhone every year. <laughs> You can't have a new car every three years. Yeah. You can't have new tires every 18 months. Yeah. In yeah. net zero society, you yeah. cannot do it. Yeah. Yep. Those processes are so energy intensive. I mean, just look at the tire industry for mm -hmm. as an example. Oh, yeah. I mean, give me a break. Um, yeah. So net zero planetary global emissions, not a chance. But you're not cool if you'd have a 300,000 mile car, right? <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> Got to get a new one every two years or else you're not, you're not cool. I mean, but that goes back to the whole, the, the first statement you made, Mark, also. And Nick, to everything, 
is it's not a celebrated when you're energy conscious in a way it's it's resource conscious resource conscious yeah 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 yep. yeah interesting it was this was a good conversation just to uh, I, I think to have because if there was a way i mean a mechanism to say look there needs to be emphasis at the high school level at the college level at the tech school level on conservation because you know we can't keep building green power plants forever and solar plants only operate you know during when the when the sun is up i mean i would like to think about okay how do you make that happen and it, and i want it to be something different than standing in the preach on the corner with a billboard saying conserve energy <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah the end is near yeah <laughs> conserve or die right yeah <laughs> That just makes people dig their feet in harder. Right. You then know? you're just a you know yeah. a whack job. Well, yeah. but but it's seriously um so overlooked and so underutilized that I I, I don't know how to get the the you know the gospel of conservation out there in a better way. It's just the uh, mm-hmm. and it seems like the people that have done it in the past are moving away from it. Yeah. Which is uh that's concerning. Yeah, if I put solar panels on my roof, I can leave my lights on as long as I want. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's okay. I'm not hurting anything. But that's not the case. That's the that's the whole point. Yeah. Right. All righty, gentlemen. I think this has been a great podcast. I hope for our listeners, you guys took something away, enjoyed hearing us go back and forth on this topic. Uh, I know we didn't really come to a, a, a resolution, but I think it was, a, like I said, a really enjoyable discussion. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, thanks for following the Building Hot Rodders podcast. We're glad to keep pushing out podcast episodes for you guys, and I hope you uh, you stay tuned in for the next one. Yeah, but if anyone out there has suggestions of topics they'd like to hear our thoughts and uh, technical assessments or opinions of, please send them in. Or tell us we're wrong. We'd love to hear it too. So with that, I hope everybody has a great day. 